This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that's... Actually, now that I look around, I think it would look really good with some carpet. Today's episode is the ultimate, penultimate, episodic doubleheader. We will discuss the penultimate episodes of both The Mandalorian and Star Trek Picard. Let's call it penultimate Picardalorian. Uh, let's work on that. Before we start up, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. And I'm Emilia. Excuse me. We're going to skip the verse news. Are you forgetting someone? Uh, you know, no surprise guest hosts or anything, and, and there's no unexpected announcer replacements. And thankfully, there's no more humming. Although, I, I did kind of enjoy that. Excuse me! This week, we have <laughs> two Excuse big episodes to me. Um, The penultimate picard episode, and uh, it's going to be great. Everyone's here, right? I mean, we're, not, we're not missing anyone. Yeah, everyone's here. Norm, Emilia, Lucas. That's it. Let's get this show going. Are you serious? I'm gone for two weeks on a mission, and you all forget about me? Yep. We're all here and, and ready to discuss uh, two exciting episodes of television. Star Trek Picard Episode Nine and The Mandalorian Episode oh, 7. Oh, no. It's weird that they're, they're I both knew the penultimate episodes, but like one. Someone nine, did touch my hubies. Like, but who? You know, now I'm glitching? This time, oh, the verse like, really is doomed. I'm going to need uh, some help I, to I fix think this. It's just, uh, a budget thing. <laughs> it's a little bit. I'm sure it's okay. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you know, what is the budget we have to work with? And then, um, what's it called? Some of those decisions are made by uh, showrunners slash you know uh, executives who are like, "This is a budget," and they're like, "Okay, what can we squeeze out of this?" As well as how how much can we break the story up to fit into those episodes? For example, in Last of Us, they had 10 episodes, but they on, on the edit, they realized, oh, my God, like, we really need to combine these together. Otherwise, people are going to be so depressed after the intro. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's why they had nine and not 10. So, you know, some of this stuff gets. Oh, right. Exotic, they did so. end on nine. Huh. Yeah. Well, anyway, really nailed that setup norm with the uh, met, met, met card. <laughs> well done. Uh, why don't we get moving with episode nine? Speaking of nine episode stuff whoa this glitch is getting worse uh, hold on who is that what are you talking about there was a lady right over there in in that empty seat wait norm saw me norm 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 i'm here i'm still here what, what empty seat over there there's no one there i'm right here me bb nah, right here three of us dude three hosts of the verse this is not good. I, this is that's strange. Not I, good. Uh, I thought I just saw someone. Uh, maybe it's all this excitement for the latest episode of Star Trek Picard, uh, which has my head acting a little funky. I guess. Um, uh, let's get this going. Don't yeah. worry, guys. I will make this right in the end. That, uh, if I don't, well, I guess maybe this is 
the end of your beloved BB. If we could have and the like worst part is, host, you will never even know. Episode, that'd be kind of I will be erased be kind of from your memories. Yikes! It would add a dynamic, I mean, right? I'm not saying it's a good dynamic, but it would add a dynamic. Yeah, maybe yeah, I mean, we're missing something. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, a trio's fun, but nothing's better than a quartet, right? Nothing. Too bad we... Barbershop? <laughs> okay, all I know is Emily is the best singer on the team, so you're going to be the lead. What is your range, though? Your vocal range? I'm like a mezzo, alto. Okay, I don't know even know what that means. It shows you how good of a singer I am. <laughs> Well, it's too, you know, it's it's too bad, though, because there's only three of us, so. All right, well, let's get this going. Class, time for the verse. Star Trek University. And I'm your instructor, the Admiral. Now, there's someone I am happy and I do see. <laughs> the Admiral. He's looking at you, kid. Who? What are you talking about? I don't see anyone. Wait, what? Really? You, you don't see him? <laughs> I gotcha. Just kidding. Ah, uh, you. <laughs> um, okay, the penultimate episode, Vox. Not to be confused with Vox Machida. What happens in this episode? Well, a devastating revelation about Jack alters the course of Picard's life and uncovers a truth that threatens every soul in the Federation. Picard and his crew race to save the galaxy from annihilation at a gut-wrenching cost. So what do we all think of this episode? Well, first off, can we say we we kind of called it? Yeah, we totally called a lot of this. <laughs> Not we, we, everything, we, though. No, we but but it. we specu- speculated that maybe the Borg and the uh, the Changelings were teaming up, and that's exactly what we find out in yeah. this episode. And I have to say, I was like, if you remember from the previous episode, I was like, that would be the best case scenario because that makes sense narratively. Like the best case scenario for the narrative, the worst yeah. case scenario for anyone in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, but I have to say this episode was just complete fan service. And as a fan, I ain't complaining. As a fan, I was serviced. Yes. Uh, but what you about know, you, Emily? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought it was really fun. There was, there was a lot of like, especially, you know, towards the second half of the episode, I was like, Again, as this, the feeling I've had on several other episodes, where I'm like, I can feel this is this is big, because not only did they get the band back together, they also went to the same venue that they used to play all those years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Homecoming. Well, I mean, there there's good fan service, and then there's bad fan service, and 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 at times you have to like, there's a very fine line mm-hmm. between the two. Um, and I recognize that this episode had both of those, although the better fan service was out in abundance and yeah. the, the bad fan service was there, but like definitely was outshined by the good. Yeah. So let's yeah. jump into actually what happens. Uh, so it begins with Troy in session, which I love because I've said it over and over. We just didn't get enough of her in the original run of The Next Generation in the movies. And now in Picard, she kind of popped in at the last third of the run. But we get a nice scene with her where she gets to probe Jack's mind. I don't know what the, um, uh, what would you call it? The ethics of forcing a person to do something that they don't want to do in a therapy session seems a little sketchy. But listen, the universe is on the line. So we got to allow for some of that. But we got to fun- throw morality out the window for a moment here. Exactly. And, but we see what's behind the red door. Which it turns out 
is a creepy Borg cube in the fog, which was cool. In um, orange fog, by the way. That, uh, that's weird. Uh, it was fun, though. I have to say, like, when it happened, I was literally almost wrote Norm on Slack being like, called it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was cool to see. Um, then we So we learned that Jack is a Borg because of Picard, um, after he was taken over by the Borg uh, and then put back together again, they left some residual DNA in him that is like organic Borg stuff. If you if you follow the original uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyage and all that, the Borg put these little uh, nanobots inside of you. So he, those were cleaned out, but they like actually altered his DNA into like Borg biology, which is very interesting. It's actually something that feels very Star Trek. Because um, yeah. there is this sense that in nature there are, you know, stuff that can sense, you know, birds can sense magnetic fields and there's all these different senses that, you know, uh, biological organisms have. So I love that this is actually grounded in real science, which is very Star Trek. It might yes. seem wild and crazy, but it actually does have some real world uh, science to back it up. Um, but poor Jack, it turns out he is a trans not only a receiver of borg signals but he can transmit as well which makes for some really cool moments in this episode and it also kind of explains what he was doing in previous episodes when he had all these special powers so remember we were complaining uh emily when norm and i were like if he's just like actually you were on my team emily yeah i was was like like, he's just a superhero superhero how stupid is that but they actually kind of explain why he has this power so it came narratively it makes sense um yeah i I say uh, it the other Star Trek part about this is how um, – because the way they were explaining it through science is like, okay, yeah, but if he if he has th- these basic building blocks, that doesn't mean anybody else does. So how can he control them? And they were like, oh, but here's the science behind that. Anyone who basically wrote a transporter had their DNA slightly rewritten so it would have Borg DNA. And I'm like, yep. 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 This is Star Trek. Exactly. I love and it. it. What's cool is everybody uses the transporters. Literally, it's like going through a door, right? So, um, and it yeah, because Bones is dead. So, yeah, he would be, well, and we'll get into this whole idea of who's immune, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's a cool idea. The transporters replace some of your DNA every time to give you the to make you a receiver of this. And it turns out across the Federation, everybody's using transporters. So pretty much like everybody's going to be affected by this. Yeah, um, but we also get. Um, some great moments with Data where like he's, you're seeing him being fully human. So we get Data consoling Picard. Or, like, when Picard's all like depressed, sitting in the dark. Well, it's the Titans, so everything's dark. But he's sitting in the dark, <laughs> depressed. And he's like, would you like, can I say anything to make it better? And Picard's like, no. And he's like, just silently pats Picard on the shoulder. Like that was not something Data would have done back in no. the TV show. So And then Picard like grabs his hand. I have to admit, like, talk about getting good actors together in a scene like they don't have to say any words you just see patrick stewart touch data's hand it was so such a moving little moment that i really appreciated i i want to i want to see brent spiner and be like how what does it feel like to actually be able to give data emotion now like i mean i get it you got to give war a little bit of emotion and whatnot but what was it like giving data emotion yeah yeah he also had some of the best lines um <laughs> laforge is like could you be a little more positive? And he's like, I hope we die quickly. I was like, yes. <laughs> I like anyway. that kind of positivity because that's, I would hope for that too. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I'm totally on the same wavelength as that. Um, but I love how we said it. Normally one of us would say it like in a Star Wars-esque Han Solo manner, like, I hope we die quickly. But he says it like very positive. Like, I He's so cheerful die. about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Well, he's already died once, so for him it's just, you know, same old, same old. Um, in this episode, we also get what I was so annoyed and I knew was going to happen because it also makes so much narrative sense, the death of Shaw. Yeah, that was, I saw that and I was like, mm. I was like, he's not getting out alive. Maybe he will. Who knows? Well, here's the good news. All right, first off, I, let's talk about this because this is a big deal because he's been a huge fan favorite this entire season. Some of us loved him in the first episode. Um, yeah. And it turned out a lot of the Twitterverse that hated him now has come around to love him uh, right in time for his death. But so let's talk about that, though, because there's something really important about it well, narratively is that if you remember what was plaguing him, it was this survivor's guilt that he was uh, chosen to go off of and the Borg from the Borg when the Borg was attacking. And uh, and he, it's been weighing on him his entire life and career since is that he was allowed to live. Why him? Right. And so he finally now gets to turn the tables and sacrifice himself. And I love it that he finally not only gives us Annika, who is the act seven of nine, he calls her seven of nine. And gives her the, the the helm, whatever. What does he say? It's the um, the ship's yours. Yes, he's like, it's not nine. my ship anymore. It's yours. You have the con seven of nine, which is totally a a baller way to go out. Um, but it, it just makes so much sense for his character that like he would have this death. And I can tell you the good news here because I was like so annoyed at it because I knew it had to happen from the beginning because like again it makes narrative sense. Right. Yeah. But the the showrunner um, uh, who also directed this episode, by the way, Terry. Metalis, who's doing a fantastic job, he dropped that uh, not only that this had to happen for Shaw, but that you might be surprised to see him again in the Legends. They haven't fully like flushed out what Legends is going to be. But yeah. now what I'm thinking is, here's my fan. Maybe I, I should save it for fan theories, but I'm just going to throw it out here. We're going to see him again as a hologram. And it's going to be seven of nine in the captain's chair with him as the hologram who's well, going to be there, which would be hilarious. Like that would yeah, be a great that, character for him. That could work. Cause they, they set that up in, uh, in the first, definitely the first season, but also the second season of Picard where, uh, uh, commander, uh, Rios had yes, a hologram was, of himself. Really good moments. Really funny. Yeah. Comedic moments. So, but let's, let's give Stas, uh, Todd Stashwick, uh, some, some props here. He did uh, an amazing job with this character. I don't think they gave him, a ton of stuff to do as the character. Mm -hmm. They only gave him like a couple moments, but he really, really shined in those moments. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, for example, like the, let's just recall some of them. One was the him fixing the doing the engineering and the transporter was like uh, another transporter with the uh, the drives was really great. Uh, kind of like the best moment for his character. We got to show that he had the skills as well as that scene in the bar where you got to see the emotional yes. range. And yeah, he's just was. Definitely kind of the, the star breakout character from this season. So I'm really glad to hear that the showrunner was like, oh, no, no, we already before the fan reaction to him had plans to bring him back, which is cool to know. Yeah. And all of his little moments, too, because he gets to do a lot of the little quips and uh, to kind of play the guy in the background shaking his head at all the nonsense. Like when they present the shit back to him in episode eight, they're like, like we did it. Here's your ship back. And he's just like, you know, like he's he's not even like, oh yeah. He's he just shakes his head. I'll say his the the role he plays is similar to the original Star Trek show. Is Bones like yes. all, the skeptic, the realist, right? Like, it, and you've realized how important it is to have that character that kind of grounds it. 
where it's like you get all these people who are like you're saying super positive or weird or spacey things and he gets to ground it with like uh you know realism and skepticism which i, I really appreciate yeah he he definitely was the breakout character it's it's not even it's not even funny how much i want to say that like you first meet him and you're like, okay, this character is literally going to be in this for a heartbeat. Yep. We get it. We get what he's here for. And then he's there the entire time. And as he's there, you're like, he's really working it and he's doing great. And mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He actually gets that one skeptical thing before they're like, we're going to go back into the heart of the Federation and, you know, on Frontier Day. And he's like, so everybody's going to be, you know, an, an entire... Starfleet's going to be gunning for us. We're going to go right in the heart of it. Okay. Like that moment where he gets the one last, I told you so before they go off. And of course it leads to his death. Uh, that was a good little, uh, like you said, skeptical quip uh, before they jump into it. And then we go back into the heart of the Federation and we get to see all these cool little, <clears throat> it's interesting how, you know, modern technology is always mirrored in Star Trek. I mean, that's what it's, they're doing It's supposed to be in the future, but at the same time, it's really responding to things that we're doing now. And the sure. whole idea that the the all the ships would be linked and they would be working like a drone, like a drone swarm, which is something we're so used to seeing now. And it would make sense that like nobody even thought of that 30 years ago to put into Star Trek because it's not something that we were kind of around. Um, so it's interesting to see they plug that in. But who else here watched Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy? Because they do the same thing in that and it ends badly. So I don't know. <laughs> nobody got the memo. That, like, do not link the ships, uh, which I find funny. But they come back to all these fireworks, the drone fleet formation. I actually thought that looked really cool. I was I was digging it. I want to party at Frontier Day, personally. Speaking of which, can we, can we address a little bit of reality here for a moment? Sure. Um, <clears throat> this, this is the same thing that had with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where they had the Yondu funeral and they had all the fireworks going off. Fireworks don't go off in space. Okay. <laughs> I think there's that these space are not fireworks. Your... Yeah. Yes, there's space fireworks. What is a space firework? We don't know, but it, I'm sure it's, we could figure it out. You know, there's ways to make it work. I'm sure. But, well, you would think so... that they would not look like fireworks. <laughs> exactly. The other thing is, is they go boom. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they going boom. Okay, but let's be real. Maybe that's just like sound effects that are added on like the um on the view screen. May, well, maybe it's all on the view screens. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's not even there. It's oh, yeah. all augmented reality. There you go. That's what I meant to say, Norm. Your, your idea is better. Good, good. Right. You should be in the writers' room, Norm. Um, but yeah. So the funniest thing is they come back, right? And then they turn on the Borg. The Borg turns on their, you know, you will be assimilated. And the funniest thing is the only people affected are millennials and zennials or whatever you would call the <laughs> era of Star Trek. And so the boomers have to come to the rescue. That just well, cracks me up. It's it's funny because because with Sh- when Shaw dies and uh, the you know J- Jack goes off with the Borg, which mm-hmm. questionable choice on Jack's part. I don't understand his motivations there. Whatever. Um, uh, Shaw dies, and who sticks around to be with Shaw in the end? Both. Seven of Nine, and Rafi. Mm-hmm. So now we have an excuse to have only the OGs mm-hmm. in the room. <laughs> but listen, again, narrative sense. You know, Rafi no, and Seven it. have a thing, so of course they'd hang out. Rafi definitely has been somewhat sidelined in the second half of the season. So I'm hoping that now the two of them are together, uh, that something cool will happen with her character and Seven. I think that's going to be kind of the the wrap-up of their storylines or the two of them. Um 
But yeah, it's such a shame that I did literally my notes were Shaw was a red shirt all along. <laughs> the question is, did he have a red shirt? I need to check. No, but the, yeah, well, command always has has red, the red. So there you go. Well, we knew, we should have seen the writing on the wall. But there um, he holds. What? So yeah. why why did Jack go like instead? Because they were like, we'll send you to the research institute. And you can be held there. And he's like, no, it's not me. But like, what did he not go because of the Borg influence, or did he not go because he had some kind of hero complex? Yeah, the not determined. But, I agree. Somewhat the motivation of it seems to be like he's just sick of having this voice in his head or something. Like, I truly can't puzzle out why he didn't listen to his mother. <laughs> if there's any time you should listen to your mother is when you want to throw yourself at the Borg. Um, yeah. And again, feel terrible for Beverly. Like, she lost... And they, they, at least they acknowledge it. They gave her that moment, which was nice, where she's like, I lost my son to space, and now... Because I was like, gave him too much space. And now this guy, I was too hovering over him. And now he's going to another mother. It was, uh, you know, she got a little moment. But yeah, I don't understand his motivation, except that he's crazy. Uh, but it is cool that he can like control people. I was like, maybe he could have like controlled them and fought back, right? Like he could have stuck around and been like, ooh, I can control minds. I can override the Borg signal, right? He didn't even try. What a loser. No. Um,. <laughs> Also, a little little Easter egg here that that I loved. Um, the Admiral Shelby was all for the uh, integration of like basically Borg technology into mm-hmm. Starfleet, and that's really funny because in the Next Generation, she was uh, head of the Borg tactical unit yes. or something like that. Like she hated the Borg like with a passion, so much so that when her voice was the loudest one about letting Picard not come back to Starfleet after the wolf. The You're Luke, absolutely right. Luke I forgot. Cutis. I forgot to mention her character, which is a, a big faux pas on my part. Cause she gives the address to the whole fleet uh, during frontier day. But yeah, Shelby was actually a really interesting character in it because she was the one who's going to like destroy Picard when he was taken over. She was the one who's gunning for just, just nuking all the Borg and taking them yep. out. So yeah, it is. I think that's cool though. The idea that, the Borg are not even considered a threat anymore. So it makes sense to be like, oh, we conquered them, right? We beat them. So, yeah, let's use their technology that we assimilated and, uh, you know, for our own gains. And, of course, that's kind of the – that's a good character flaw, I think. And I, I actually did hear some people complaining about this online. Like, why would she be the one? I was like, no, no, I think there's a huge motivation for her to be like, we won, so why not, right? And yeah, then it's kind that's of like a conquering mindset. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. But – uh, it, it, I was just like, so wait a minute, is that Shelby? And then like, oh, there's Admiral Shelby. I'm like, ah, it is. But I liked her. So in the so just some context for Amelia. She, you know, she she was intentionally put in there to be this kind of tension between Riker, who was like trying to save Picard, and then um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, oh, what is that? We Starf. Yeah, you're talking. I yeah yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so between, like, Riker, who wanted to save Picard, but then also, um, you know, the Starfleet, the saving of Starfleet. So, as it turns out, like, uh, seeing her pop up again was really cool. And it would make sense because she was, like, an overachiever. And what I loved about the original run of The Next Generation is they didn't make her out like she was wrong because she actually was kind of right. So just because you're kind of the antagonist doesn't mean you're a bad person. And, in fact, like, if it wasn't for Riker being so damn good at his job and figuring things out... Like, she actually had the right position. So I do love that she became an admiral. It makes sense that she was very competent, uh, which yeah. is, again, what I love about Star Trek. It's not about people 
you know, being evil all the time. It's just, you know, people being competent. One thing we have to talk about, though, this is, okay, this is a huge deal for us who grew up with the next generation. And I should have seen it coming. So in my mind, when, I, when they get to the Fleet Museum, what I thought they were going to do is all jump onto different ships of different eras and come back, which kind of would make a lot more sense. <laughs> like they have the Defiant there, which is a pretty baller mm-hmm. little ship that's in, which is in Deep Space Nine. It's like a and, small shuttle that's built for attacking and maneuvering and being spying and and for small teams. Yeah, small teams. They have all the different uh, enterprises there. Like it, the fact that they would just go to Jordy's little hobby project. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care because no. so if you've ever watched the original motion picture. Um, there's one of my complaints when I was younger was that like they spend so much time because I and I used to attribute it to 2001 a Space Odyssey uh, because in that there was all these like slow moving shots of space shuttles taking off and no narrative, no narrative being pushed, just literally like uh, space porn. And I remember yep. watching the next gener- or the original motion picture being like, oh, man, like get on with it. Who cares yeah, about how, five minutes of the Enterprise? Yeah, how long are we going to see the Enterprise pulling out of the space stock? Jesus. I get it now, because there's something <laughs> that happens when you haven't seen this ship. This is the, the ship from our childhood, not the three versions since, right? I was like, oh, my God, the nostalgia just, like, infusion that you get of seeing it and then also seeing the, the, the deck of the Enterprise and just, as Norm said in the intro, the carpet. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. Like, I have to admit, I was totally having the feels. So I wonder why would you have carpet in a place like that? Because it was the nineties. <laughs> That's all I can say. It, yeah. I, I, I can't, I had tears in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I was so like wrapped up in warmth. I was like, ah, oh, yes. And I was a little worried at first because the lights came on very slowly. I'm like, uh, Jordy, don't tell me you updated this in the wrong way. And then <laughs> finally the lights start coming on. I'm like, oh, oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And, and when the when the outside exterior, when those lights came on, you saw like the warp nacelles and everything yeah. and, and uh, the deflector dish. Oh, my God. I Truly, I was like, it felt like coming home. It was such a good feeling. And that's when I was like, that's what, what they did in the motion picture. It was literally there because every all the original Star Trek fans, they'd only seen mm-hmm. it on a TV show and a little... And back then, TVs were small. So the yeah. idea to sit in a theater and then see your ship again, I get it now. And like now I'm going to have a newfound respect for the motion picture for them doing that. But like, so so I, I did really like this direction they went in because then I felt like they were, the arc of the season, they really decided to commit to the found family message. Mm-hmm. And it does make family. a lot more sense, but it does kind of make me care way less about Jack Rusher. <laughs> Well, this is my whole thing about it, which I would like, they didn't need to do that. Jack could have just been Beverly's son and he could have felt protective and like a father figure because he never had a father. Like there's a way they could have done it. I liked it better when he just never had a kid, but then you wouldn't get the whole Borg thing. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I don't know. I've, I've said it in to a lot of people that my favorite of all the, I guess, villains of Star Trek, the Borg were always my favorite because to mm-hmm. me, they're the scariest. The whole idea of the the changelings, oh, they could be anyone. I'm like, I don't care about that. Yeah. The Borg are terrifying. And yeah. I've, I've said it before, it's because, and I think Picard puts uh, talks about this in, in Next Generation, they take away your individuality. And that to me is scarier than death. Yeah, they take away your humanity. It's, yes. yeah, I, I completely agree. Oh my God, though, when there was... Like when they were assimilating all of the young people, 
and there was like they were like cutting to all the people like turning around and being like i am borg um i was like oh is this how is this how people feel about the millennials and the and gen z is like they <laughs> yeah, like look at us on our woke phones hive. they got the woke hive virus man that's what happened <laughs> It's like, is this how, how bigoted old people feel when they look yeah. around the subway and they see a bunch of young people staring at their phones? And then that means they got to get it, they go into their old ride and team up to, <laughs> to go to the rescue. This is such a boomer show. God, I love it. Um, anyway, so just to wrap up, it ends with Picard sitting in, his, in the captain's chair saying, engage. And it's just mm, chef, kiss, chef kiss perfect for me that I was like, it ended on such a note where I was just like, all right, now I'm so psyched to see the final episode. And I want to do a sidebar here to say that, Norm, I don't know if you ever knew about this, that in Las Vegas, they used to have the Star Trek experience. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, I know, I, know, I know about it, yeah. So I went to the Star Trek experience in Las oh. Vegas, and I was on the bridge of the, of the Enterprise D, and it's funny because they're do- doing the tour of it and everybody's like dressed as Klingons. And they, uh, anyway, so they tell you, they said, there was the captain's chair and they're like, don't sit in the captain's chair, you're not allowed. And of course, when the guy's back was turned, me and my buddy James ran over and sat in the chair and we took photos. And I literally, they tell you not to do it. The guy turns around and you can see, he's like, get out of that chair. And I'm literally expecting us to get kicked out, but it was worth it. And you could just see the fatigue in this guy's face. He was like, come on, get probably, going. And he probably just like, sees it like a million times. Yeah, so. I'm sure we were not the first idiots to try it. But so I just here, full disclosure, I sat in the captain's chair on the Enterprise D. So seeing that moment as well <laughs> nice. had special resonance to me. Um, so yeah, they're going to come arrest things... you now, though. <laughs> find me. <laughs> A, a couple things that I loved in this this closing scene. One, uh, Jordy poking fun at Worf and being like, "Well, I couldn't get the E," and then Worf's like, "That was not, not my, my fault,", fault. Yeah. which is great. And then um, sadness because, you know, I, I when Jordy sits down in his at the stations, he actually takes Wesley's station. Yes, because because Jordy was in the back left. He was not up in the front left. No, he, so seeing, he was up in the front in the early in the first season in the first season or two, I think, until he got put taken back. He got getting promoted, but I, hmm. I think you're right though. He was which I, I can't tell you which one he was in. But anyway, uh, he, he was only there for the first season or two, I think. But I rem- I remember Wesley was almost always in that le- that left one front, uh, right next to Data, and then after mm-hmm. he left, it was just some random ensigns. Every now and then, mm-hmm. Roe was there, but yeah, it was yeah. rare. No, no. So, so um, that's a good point, though, because Wesley, he wasn't allowed to sit there until I think season two or something. So the first season was Jordy up front. But yes. And by the way, the design of the ship is season two. Yeah, it's, it looked like it changed in later seasons. They updated it more and more. And, you know, it got as the budget got better and things. Um, but at the same time, so I love that he did the throwback to like the original run in his mind. I love it that Jordy was like you know what? I'm going to go back to the original version of this ship. That's cool, dude. I mean, he's like literally tinkering in his garage with it. But yes, uh, at the end, it felt like coming home. And when, once they got on there, I was like, all right, we're at the midpoint of the season now, right? We're, we have like, we have like seven more episodes we can go. No. Aww. All I got to tell you is if they better not destroy this enterprise, like, come on, just like for once, don't destroy the enterprise. By the way, so that's the thing is, Emily, I don't know if, if you picked up on it in the show. They were like, oh, Jordy's been rebuilding because the, the saucer section was recovered. And then in, in the movie Generations, they literally crashed the whole thing. And the saucer section was like 
on some planet somewhere. And they even said in it, like, it'll never be recovered, right? <laughs> They're like, we'll never be able to recover it. And so they just essentially rewrote that entire thing, which like, is, just kidding. I think, a good idea. We have the technology yeah, just kidding. now. But- well, I mean, the question, uh, the uh, Jordy actually says it. He goes, well, I convinced them that leaving it there would uh, – be against the prime directive instead of us going to get it, which they would be like, Oh, that's interference. Yeah. It's like, but we already interfered. We got to undo the interference. And so I I actually like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fair argument. But I mean, I think though, you just got to convince them, right? (laughs) Well, it makes sense that they, that we kind of end close to end the season with this. Cause it's like, they can't, you know, you can only, I think you can only milk that nostalgia for one more episode. And then, Mm -hmm. Honestly, they might destroy it. My prediction is that they will, because this is probably the last time this can ever happen. Look, look, I will, I will, I will take that nostalgia. I'll take that that bet on it to see if it go longer. We should try it. Let's <laughs> let's see if it works. Put it back in the museum. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> it um, belongs in a museum. Let it go, Indiana. Yeah. All right. Well, so anyway, that was the penultimate episode of Star Trek: Picard, and we will wrap up the series next week. How does everybody feel about it? Like end of the season. End of Picard, end of the next generation, onto the new generation. It's going well. It's going well. So what do what do we think is going to happen though in the final episode? Picard's going to die. <laughs> I think they're going to all be sitting in the in the bridge, and then he's going to say "engage," and then it'll end. Here, here's here's my my uh, my prediction. Picard sacrifices himself for Jack. Jack sits on the chair at the end and says, "Engage." Oh, so he just guess. gets a promotion. <laughs> he does. He's uh, part of well, Star Trek. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, I think that's just going to be the, the like, hey, you know, everyone else is. There's only one seat that's not spoken for, and Jack's like, I, I think it's going to be a very reluctant thing, but I think he's going to sit down and say, "Engage," and then afterwards. We know there's a spinoff coming. We just don't know of what. We know Legends is, is coming up, but we know legacy. there's going to be yeah, a Star Trek legacy. legacy. And I have a funny feeling it's going to be the story of um, Jack and of uh, wow, I'm forgetting Jordy's daughter's name. Oh, Alondra, yeah, sorry. Alondra LaForge. So this is all assuming that people can be unborged, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, okay, do Picard, it all the time. Picard, Picard <laughs> and Seven of Nine have been uh, unborged. And then in season one, Hugh was there and he was on board. Okay. But let's, let's bring up too, though, that what's going to happen is um, uh, so many of the people in charge of the Federation are dead. Like all the Admiralty, like a lot of these ships captains, like there's going to be a huge deficit of leadership uh, at the end of this. So I'm curious to see, I think it's going to be a mixture of old and new. So we're probably going to get a lot of OG cast mixed in with these new this new cast, which I think would be the perfect way to kind of pass the baton. Instead of doing a brand cool. new crew that we've never seen before, uh, it'll be like a mixture, which would be awesome. And my prediction is Seven of Nine is going to be a captain. Shaw's going to be the um, uh, hologram. hologram. And then we're going to get like Jack Crusher. We're going to get um, LaForge Daughter. Uh, and hopefully maybe we'll even get some um, uh, uh, LaForge. Uh, Levar Burton, LaForge, George LaForge, LaForge yeah. as well as Michael Dorn returning as Worf. You know, these are my wishes and we'll see what happens. I I, I think I think you'll see them. Uh, I, I think the the original crew, of the Enterprise is all going to go into leadership positions. Mm-hmm. I think 
um, you know, they, they kept they keep mentioning Admiral Jan, uh, Janeway. Janeway. Yeah. Um, I think she's going to be on never, the Academy show. By the way, there's another show, Star Trek Academy, that's coming out that I think yeah. she's going to be connected to that one. But yeah, you're right. I think they're going to see a lot of these characters. So I, in, I, in I think she's going to finally make uh, I, I hope she makes an appearance at the end of this, even if it's just like a quick like, like, well, I guess I'm running Star Starfleet now. Yeah. Cool. That's why I was surprised not to see her in the position of Shelby. But I, 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 like I said, great use of Shelby. Okay, so that's it. Thanks for the discussion. Oh, wait, Emily, what, what did you say here? Did you give your predictions? Um, I don't know if I have the brain power to predict anything, but I, <laughs> so I'm going to be like, ditto what Norm said. Although I, <laughs> I just feel like with Jack Crusher, I don't know, like I was on board with his character and then... Now I'm kind of not, and I'm like, if he ends, like, something has to happen um, yeah. for him to earn that captain's seat, I think. Because right now, he just kind of, like, made, a, like, a series of really bad decisions in this episode. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm hoping they actually wrap his story up in a way that feels like it does justice to his character. I don't think he's going to be in the captain's seat because he ha- isn't even part of Starfleet, but I can see him being, like, an ensign on board the new ship. I I really think it's going to come down to Picard uh, uh, Picard talking to Jack and uh, Jean Luc basically just being like, I know what it's like. You have to find your humanity and see- seek it out and and be who you are and not what they want you to be. I think that's going to be the whole. It's going to be a look. It's Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's a moral philosophy debate at the end of the day, and that's cool. what it's going to be. So then I'd like to see him kind of. Not like go rogue at the end, but kind of have it be ambiguous. Like, is he gonna, you know, especially if if Picard dies, like I could see him going down like a a dark spiral that he has to pull himself out of. I don't yeah, know. maybe that's too pessimistic for the show. <laughs> I don't I think it is. Oftentimes, though, even though the show's hopeful and positive, like some characters can have tragic, you know, storylines. So. Okay, well, we'll find out next week when we tune in for the finale. And I am out of here. Okay, I'm back. Now it's time for The Mandalorian. Hey, Lucas is here. You missed more great Star Trek talk, buddy. Yeah, poor Lucas. I guess he missed out again. Couldn't help it. I was a little worried it was just going to be Emily and I covering this episode of Mando. You know, only two of the three hosts of the verse. Well, why don't we jump into the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian? Whoa, whoa! What are we covering? Uh, I kind of blanked out there for a second. Keep up, Bibi. We're on to The Mandalorian. <laughs> That's odd. Uh, I'm feeling a little lost right now, guys. Nah, don't sweat it. You probably just got rocket lag from your mission. Uh, wh- what did we talk about during this episode? Uh, just Picard, and, hmm, you know, that's funny. I, I do not recall you adding to the conversation. Weird. That is strange. Are you ready now, Bridget? Um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm feeling a bit wonky, but, uh, um, I guess I'm ready. Great. Let's talk about the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian. Yes, I will say that Lucas and I have been having sidebar conversations about Rebels in in our side chats because the Mandalorian seems to be giving quite the credibility to Rebels mm-hmm. and I have probably never been more 
validated as a Star Wars fan up until now. Well, we got Zek in in the Zeb. previous episode. Yep. Zeb. 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 Wow. Sorry. Zek is someone else. Um, my bad. Uh, yeah. I, I actually have been like itching to talk to you guys on on it, but, like sidebars. But I've been like, no, I must keep the integrity of the podcast. <laughs> well, Lucas sent me a message. He goes, "You're gonna like this week's guest character." <laughs> or that was it was last week. Yeah. But and then I will say because we're talking about the latest episode. Uh. They do have a, uh, I don't what like a shout, not a shout out, but they do mention Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. That's in the beginning of the episode where they're doing the cool, like, I love that they're bringing back all the uh, the tricks from the original movies and stuff where they have the, the, the hologram. The, holo- the hologram conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, um, TBH, like, it's, it's pretty practical. I mean, we're technically holograms right now. You know, I'm going to throw out a prediction. I know we do those at the end, but before we get this episode, like Go for it. there's going to be another Rebels appearance before the end of the Mandalorian, whether it's in the season finale or not. Either I think Thrawn is going to show up or uh, Sabine. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm with Sabine because like I, I said this I said <sighs> this to in the last episode. You know, it makes sense for Sabine to show up most. She's a Mandalorian. Yeah. If we're, if we're roaming the galaxy for more Mandalorians, it would make sense that she would make an appearance. Here's my prediction. You're right on both accounts. We're going to get Sabine in the actual story, and the post-credit will be Thrawn, teasing Thrawn. Oh, God. Boom. Well, we know, we know Ahsoka, the, the Ahsoka show, will be focusing on Thrawn. Yeah. Right. Her and Thrawn. We know Sabine and uh, Ezra are both going to be in it. Right. So, and we, I'm pretty sure we also know that uh, Hera... And Chomp, Chopper are going to be in it. are both going to be in it, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so so we have a, a good bit of Rebels returning for Ahsoka, which makes sense if you saw Rebels. Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah. Let, don't get me wrong. Like, there's nothing that's uh, shocking about this, I would say. Uh, but I think it's well overdue. And I'm going to be very excited when it happens. But I'm also intrigued to see how they're going to do it. So, I, I, I mean... The one thing that I will give the Mandalorian credit to, they have been so good about bringing in, like, past characters and, like, but Mm -hmm. spreading them out, but also introducing new characters at the same time. Um, And what was it that I was just thinking about that I... I, And now I'm getting it mixed up. I can't remember if it was Mandalorian Season 2 now or if it was Boba Fett, Um, the, the cowboy alien... Who? Oh, oh! Uh, Why can't I wow, think of his my, name? You know exactly. Now you're making me blank. Yes, yeah, uh, like Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and I just remember like that being so shocking. Uh, and that was like such an awesome guest appearance. And they've been really good about doing that up until now. But now I'm expecting this next appearance. And I yeah. just, oh god, I just, I'm well, curious to see how it's well, gonna happen. A, here's the so, thing about. Um, the complaints I've read online are people saying like, "Oh, now they're, this is just becoming another like the another Marvel thing where the show isn't self-contained. You, you have to watch Rebels, and and it's going to tease into the next." And I'm like, "Yeah, like that's exactly what they need to do because otherwise, listen, I love a good one-off, and the first season was kind of that, right? Uh, and even parts of the second season, you know, they were pulling from lore, but I'm like, if it doesn't plug into the greater universe, like, like." 
what's the point, right? Like, yeah. I actually applaud them for taking a great character and storyline that is going to, I think, finish this season. I think the Mandalorian storyline is going to wrap up next episode, um, which is kind of sad. I think that what if people are really just tearing this season apart, and I think what they're failing to grasp is this is the last season of The Mandalorian. They need to wrap mm-hmm. up the storyline, but also they have a lot of setup to do because you yeah. saw it from the season one. They're trying to tie this into the sequels. The greater Star Wars And yeah. the sequels obviously were not the most, like, uh, receptive, I guess you could say. Um and I, and I think they're they trying. Mess, I think yeah. <laughs> I think they're trying to give more validation to them and make them better. And that's mm-hmm. a, it's it's a tall task. But honestly, at no, the end of the day, not, oh no 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 uh, 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 no 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 it's not no I'm not having any of this uh, the sequel for one good reason. If you take away the Clone Wars and Rebels. The entire prequels are garbage. garbage. Yes. Absolute yeah. garbage. Yeah. So they're the doing the only reason thing. why you can go back and watch the prequels and say, hey, these aren't as bad as I remember is because you watch Clone Wars and Rebels. And it fills the in the reason. gaps. It really does fill yes. in the gaps in your right supplemental it. material does absolute wonders for those prequels. It just doesn't do anything for the sequels yet because we haven't gotten there yet. And um, this is why I'm excited for the blind spots with Emilia yeah, because she's still pure on all of this. Pure. She's still... People are like, oh, why aren't you into Star Wars? I'm like, because I used to have a life before I was in conversation with <laughs> these. <laughs> yep, that's valid. I was I also... happy and calm. Lead into your hate. <laughs> just do it, Emilia. Uh, the other you thing too. Towards the dark side will be complete. <laughs> I love it. The other thing too is people are not, and I can see why in the tone of the season, and I recognize it right off the bat. It's definitely lighter. Like you can tell that this is more. It's like more family friendly than like I would say season two was. Like it, it's mm-hmm. you know like they're not going as dark, and for. And I understand why. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this last episode, which we're going to very much get into. Oh, yeah, we should Like, the stakes are higher, everything. But I will say up until this point that I think people... I don't know what people want. They want more drama. They want more death. I don't know. But it has been lighter. Like, I know that people were, like, shredding Lizzo and Jack Black showing up. Which, to me, like... We shredded that. We shredded them good. Silly. You guys shredded them. I was fine. To me, like... It was just another way to explore another part of the galaxy. Like, look, I I got I, no qualms with it. I'm most annoyed I don't... by the by, um, God, what's his face? Grogu. Grogu. <laughs> oh, okay. Can He's we get into this episode? Can we right, get into this before, episode? Before we do, real real quick, you know, Bridget, I, I've heard the same complaints from people, like like, oh, this one's lighter. I don't think it's lighter. I just don't think people can read context and and the subtext of what's going on. We've talked about it here on, on the podcast. This is a cult. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he is smack dab in the middle of the cult. And we're waiting for him to wake up in the cult. The problem is, is a lot of people aren't seeing that this is a cult. They're just like, oh, no, this is this is just the way no, things kind of are. Family. It's totally a cult. <laughs> yeah. Totally a Can cult. Can we get into when we get into predictions for the finale? I will say what I think is going to happen. And it's going to be very aligned with what y'all are saying. Um, just to, to <laughs> okay. tease that. All right. Uh, so, so let's get into so, this uh, episode. Let's. Which which is about the Mandalorians trying to retake their home world of Mandalore. Yes. yes. Which is proving and it's called the much spies. more difficult. Um, the reason it's called the spies is fascinating. So this is all like you said, a cult. 
so much of this is biblical. So supposedly, I guess, I don't know what book it's from. It's like, but there was a, about these, sent these spies into the land of Canaan to, to scope it out before, you know, Moses and the tribe got in there. So it's like, I, I dig it that they're riffing off of old religions, old timey religions. Go Jews. <laughs> um, that they're using this as the kind of backbone of the story. We love the Torah. This is the, yeah. Oh my God, is Indiana Jones in the show? We stand the Torah. The, the first half of the Bible? Yeah. Um, first anyway, third so, of the Torah or the the Quran. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, so I think that this idea is, is they're coming, they're doing their homecoming, right? They were lost in the scattered. The tribe was scattered, right? Now they're coming home to. Uh, thankfully, it's not a desert planet, but they're Thank coming God. home to a you know their their homeland, whatever. And of course, what happens when they get there? There's a giant monster. Monsters. <laughs> yeah. As usual. Squabbling. As yeah. usual. Um, but we need to talk about the. Uh, the mech in the room. Uh, so at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> the mech in the room. Tycho was coming back. The most ridiculous thing happens. Um, Did they really need to give Grogu a mech suit? No. I can I tell you, I actually really like, kind of despised it. Like at first, I thought it was funny when they first put him in it, and he's like, no, no, he's like, he's no. like, get out, and no. he's like, no. No. no, no, I thought it was humorous. No, yes, yes. Yes. And then yes. when like they went off world with it and then he's just in the suit <laughs> in the middle of everything. They're I'm acting like, like I hate this. They're acting like the Mandalorian can't do anything about this child. I'm like that's just he's bad a menace. parenting you've, right there. Yes, you've been right the entire time, Emily. This this kid's a menace. <laughs> and then they give poorly, him a mech suit? <laughs> he's been poorly parented. Pedro Pascal does not set any boundaries. And like, there's just oh he's daddy, not he's dad. hungry. That's he's the problem all the time. The he's daddy, not, not father. He's not growing Look. either. He keeps eating, and he doesn't grow. Wait, also, it's a really fast metabolism. Say, That's what all that force and man, the midichlorians do. Oh when you have that many midichlorians in your bloodstream, you just have to eat like you know, uh, you know, fifty thousand calories even a day. Talked about the midichlorians. Wait, no. Honestly, you no, need to watch haven't. Clone Wars. That's the only way it gets kind of explained. Um, also, the problem is, too, I felt that all of a sudden, like, they had their Mando and Grogu <coughs> had their relationship. And then, like, it kind of was like all of a sudden, like, Mando is dad and Grogu is his son. Like, d- does that make sense? Like, it, it, it didn't. Obviously, that's not how it started. And for two seasons, it wasn't like that. Obviously, he cared for him, and Mando was Grogu's protector. But then all of a sudden, like this season, it's like, Dad. Well, I mean, and I was like, look, in, in, Oh, in Book of Boba Fett, in Book of Boba Fett, he comes back to him. So, so they they literally basically become family. Then. Yeah, family. which makes sense. I don't know, family. but something about it still right. feels just like a little weird to me. It is weird. I mean, just because of the execution is weird. I yeah, think. I yeah, on I paper, think that's it makes sense. Better way. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, just the thing that just bothers me is like him in a mech suit is funny for a scene, and I understand why they did it because they're like they're gonna be like going on this planet. Like, right. is he just gonna be carrying around, or is gonna be in the pod? Why not? Like, that's what they've been doing for three seasons. Why does he need a mech right, suit? Right, that's it's what I'm saying. So it was weird. funny in the one scene when he's running around yeah, the room and needed. just being like, no, no, no. But then what's they and Carl Weathers scene? selling that scene hard? Can I tell yeah. you, Carl Weathers <laughs> is wonderful, and he's directed a lot of these episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he he's done a very good job. But yeah, I think it should have been self-contained to Grogu in the mech mm-hmm. suit in the one scene, and then that's it. What? Like, I just don't get. Why also, that's so mean. It. They literally carved out the carcass of this droid 
<laughs> it's like you get to go in this walk around walk around in his skin. That's just the droid really... was dead anyways. <laughs> yeah, but it's just odd. Can you imagine? It's Literally, like you're walking around in the like they're... yeah, they're just you're walking around in the carcass of a droid. That to me just doesn't. Sit I don't well. know. It just yeah, I didn't like that part. But anyways, uh, we get oh, a lot. Of... T- look, if you guys want to talk about the things you don't like, I still swear, and you guys keep telling me I'm wrong. They're giving Bo Katan a dang. Freaking oh, okay, redemption yes, arc. I'm not seeing it, it. I'm not seeing you guys. What you guys are saying that it's a false prophet. They're giving her this arc. I'm not here for it. And I, I told you that she's not. Lucas and I called this like right. three episodes ago. We said nope. She is gonna have like this religious revival, come to Jesus moment. She wants to walk the way. Yada yada yada. Uh, yeah. I don't think she's gonna be evil. I think you think that she's gonna turn and do all this crazy stuff. No, I think she's gonna die. I think Luke, she's gonna Lucas. turn. I think she's gonna die. I, I think she's gonna I think they're giving her herself. redemption, and I don't no. want her to get redemption. She doesn't deserve redemption. Look, and, and by the way, I said this last time. I'm gonna say it again. Katie Sackoff is still doing an absolutely <laughs> fantastic job. No hate on her. I just hate Bo Katan. I gotta say, character. Katie She's doing such a good job that we Katie hate her. Sackoff's bone structure is like no other I have ever seen out of human like being. She got some work done though. I don't know. I don't know. It looks Sorry, really good. Katie. Everybody in Hollywood's gotten some work. Everyone done. does. Everyone, yeah. does. but it looks really good. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I feel like she is going to die because, and the moment I, I had that thought was when she was able to get the dark saber back and there wasn't like Mm -hmm. a whole giant hubba blue -blue about it. Like she had that little, little tiny little, uh, Mm -hmm. scuffle in the field with the other Mandalorian, but. Which was a cool fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. I really. Using the jet. Yeah, I thought it was very well choreographed. It was really cool. But it wasn't like, oh, duel to the death sort of thing. So then that made me think, I think she's probably, we're going to have a uh, not so great ending. Like, not great ending. Like, I think she's going to die, but I think there's going to be like a big thing about it. So I I do think that Norm's right that they're giving her a redemption arc. I'm willing to admit that that's probably what's happening based on this episode. But I am going to stick to my guns and say... I still believe the story beats are set up such that she should be a false prophet. Like that is gonna like mess everything up. I don't think it's I'm, gonna happen, but I'm gonna stick my guns. <laughs> so, so here's my thing. I, 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 I'm not so sure about the false prophet thing. I'm hoping. I, I, I said this from the beginning. I hope that you're right with that because that would be nice. But at the same time, Lucas, yeah, I think she's gonna die. But I think she's going to die a hero and everyone's going to be like, oh, let's remember Bo-Katan for being the hero she she was. Like, no, let's remember her, the villain she was. She did some in, inexcusable things to her own sister. And then, of course, to my favorite character, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, you know, be the villain or live long enough to die and see yourself the hero. Is I don't think that's, that's how that. Uh, that's what they say. <laughs> Um, I will say, I'm trying to look up the Mandalorian's name, but... Din Djarin. Not Din Djarin. No, the big, the big dude the who big died. The big guy with the oh, machine oh, Vizsla. gun. Vizsla. Vizsla. Oh, he had so much more to do before he died. Uh, I will say that... He went out he got chair. taken out by those handmaids. Yeah, the, the red <laughs> knots <laughs> that were, you will eventually see more of, Emilia. Um, I hate those things so much, but... Oh, they're a thing. They're like... They, they're a thing. They, they're yeah, a thing. They're, they used to protect the emperor. Either, yes. The fabulous red handmaids. Um, Space handmaids. I love... I like... I, I'm kind of glad they came out because... In the sequels, I, I'm not going to try to spoil anything, but they have really cool choreography. I thought their style of fighting 
was just it, it, it was so it was very sophisticated compared to the stormtroopers um mm-hmm. so it's a fun twist uh because i mean like that dude just like plowed through the stormtroopers like completely can, can we point out a few things that are amazing about this episode the things that are seem a little questionable one is the the fight stuff was awesome seeing yeah. all like the the villains and jetpacks what were the what's the name of those troopers is there like a name for those ones Anyway, those those aren't the shock troopers. I don't think. No, shock troopers but have the markings. On the design of yeah. those troopers looked great. Like, and it was cool to see the imperial version of, and you know, and they all and they had Beskar armor, so they're like the imperial version of the Mandalorians. So that was a really cool scene. I'm a little frustrated how nobody in the, uh, in the Mandalorians understands tactics at all. They just like <laughs> blast away and run around. Nobody's like flanking and taking cover. They never. Well, they yeah, have but any, when, like, they, when have... they went in the streets of. What, what's that city? Yeah, they two kind of did. There. They kind of right. did. What happened here? They just fell. You apart. have Beskar armor. Yeah, if you yeah. get shot <laughs> and hit in the Beskar, you're fine. But you might take a little bit of like a oh that that hurt a little bit. But the idea is is you're mostly covered, so you're like I'm already undercover. I'm all I've already got cover, baby. All right, I I, I I'll take Norm's uh, rationalization. <laughs> but the funniest thing is at the end of the fight, Bo-Katan's like charge or whatever and i was like oh finally somebody has like strategy and orders that they're giving oh um, man anyway it, but i did love the fight scenes they were cool as hell and i did love the um the, finally she used the dark saber but why did they use it on the wrong door like they could have jumped in there and used the dark saber and then it took yeah. a long time Same. to get through that door. They were like, it can Same. cut through anything slowly. Yeah, I mean, but, but if you remember in the prequels, Quagon was having trouble getting through the blast doors yeah. with his lightsaber. That's yeah, but they like could have gone through the door and gotten Din Djarin. Like he was getting yeah. tortured and then they're just sitting there. Then they're like, oh, yeah, I got the I... darksaber and then like does the wrong door and they flee. And the big dude, Pat, uh, Paz, beat everybody. If they all had like I gone know. through and backed up Paz, then they would have been all against those three... Uh, or uh, handmaidens. Anyway, just the logic of the episode. You're like, what the well, heck's going on here? You know, yeah. And I expected that. What did, what did we say his name? Visla. Visla. Yeah. yeah, I expected totally expected him to die this season. I thought he was going to die one of the other episodes because they just he just kept having these like run-ins with fate where I was like, it's going to run out at some point. Um. Like a true Vistula. Yes, pretty much. Uh, and so I, I, I'm not saying I like that he died, but I felt that yeah, like it was gonna happen eventually. Uh, the, the whole kidnapping Dinjarin, I'm still. He keeps getting kidnapped. I like this is like the fourth time. I didn't was take his helmet off, and I was like, I was like, when are we gonna see? When are we gonna Pedro? see his face again? Well, I honestly thought they were gonna. He was gonna take his helmet off. Because I, I thought yeah, they, like he was just going to be like, let's really just torture like, him. You're not going to go bathe in the rivers again. Damn it. <laughs> um, dude, so, I loved is G- Giancarlo getting his monologue on. <laughs> I love a good monologue, but from a villain. Uh, delivered by a good, good villain. Well, well, with that voice, I'd, I'd listen to him monologue about like just reading the back of a cereal box, yeah. to be honest. He was um, so villainous, though. It was, he it was is. He does so good as a villain. He's very I good love as a it. villain. He's one of those. He's just relishing it. Yeah. He's like, thank you for joining us, Dinjar. <laughs> Do you guys ever have those, like, there's like some actors who, once they hit this a certain character, sometimes I just think that they almost play the character too well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, it makes you question, like, yeah. 
what are you doing when you're not acting? (laughs) (laughs) Ordering his kids around at home like that. So uh, um, another thing that I thought was really interesting in this episode that I I feel like I I really want to touch upon because we talked about it being a cult and whatnot. Uh, and, and this came up with Christian last, last episode. Um, the current sect of Mandalorians that, uh, Din Djarin is with is Death Watch. And they confirm it here. They're like, well, Death Watch, when it ended, kind of splintered and became different things. Like, no, it was still Death Watch. You were all Death Watch. Yeah. They were the villains. They were, they were the, the villains. villains. Yeah. So, and, and the, the, with that being said, and knowing that at one point, uh, you know, Bo-Katan did join Death Watch to overthrow her sister, and th- with with Count Visla, and at the end here, seeing Visla get basically a moment. And now it's not it's not Count Visla; it's his his son, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gets redemption for his family at the end there, which is why I think it's going to be the same thing with Bo, and why. Again, I'm angry. <laughs> I like that this is going to really bother you. Yeah, I just, I don't see it, her turning. I, I just really don't see it happening at this point. Like, all this setup, it, it, to me, it would just be very no, she's going to sacrifice herself. Yeah. I think, right, should we get into predictions then? Yeah. Um, what we think is going to happen? I think <sighs> that um, she's literally going to sacrifice herself to save um, the, you know, the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. She'll have the Darksaber. She'll fight... Um, Moff Gideon lose and die, and then Din Djarin's going to have to then defeat Moff Gideon, get the dark saber, become the leader. But the armorer is a traitor who's going to sell them all out, and that's what's going to cause all this to happen. I also think the armorer is doing Armor some sketchy, sketchy, yeah, as f. Yes, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that statement. Yes, I'm. My prediction's not too far away from yours, Lucas. I see uh, Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, and Moff Gideon getting into a fight. I see Bo-Katan dying, and I also see Din Djarin dying at the hands of the armorer, who then takes the Darksaber to be the leader. What? That would be a real downer. I get it. And then then the next show will be about Grogu trying to uh, go after the armorer. Uh, No, I think Sabine is going to make an appearance, though. Can I tell you guys, I... I'm really actually very nervous about like them killing Din Djarin and like Rogue. Like it actually has been giving me a lot of anxiety because I just don't want to see that character die. Like I just don't want that. I don't need it. This is my prediction. Please I don't, thought he was going to die. I don't want it to happen. When the armor betrays him them all he's going to realize that his whole cult thing is wacky and he needs to like leave it and he's going to take his helmet off at the end that's what you're going to get he's going to have the dark saber he's going to take his helmet off and he's going to be like who do i make out with first and then both men and women around him are just going to be like please me please me because he's got his daddy well i just i just i i don't know if i can emotionally handle seeing that character die i'm just gonna not even lie to you but the other thing too is I know they're wrapping up the storyline and the whole thing. I, I just, I, I need to know more about the origins of Grogu and I'm just like, not sure how they're going to do that. I feel like Grogu's they're going to announce a Grogu show. I just like, feel like they are. I, I just yeah, want to know more coming. about like his species and 
Like, what if they, what, if they both survive, what are they going to do? Because obviously we all know what happens in the sequels. Like, look, what are they doing? I want to know look, this. If they, if they both survive, 100% Din Djarin is the leader of the Mandalorians. If they both survive. Agreed. If they, if they kill Din Djarin, I'm literally never watching Star Wars again. I really... Okay, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So probably until Ahsoka comes out. <laughs> yeah, until Ahsoka comes out, I'm done with Star Wars. When does Ahsoka come out? Oh yeah, later this year. Oh yeah, I'm fine. Spoken like a true um, Star Wars fan. Yeah, I always say nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Uh, can, can we make a deal, Bridget? Though, in in before Ahsoka comes out, okay. Uh, you've never read Heir to the Empire, right? No. Ooh, you should read that, and you can even get books on tape. I, I'm sure they oh, have. Oh, I would love it. to prefer. I, I would recommend prefer to it because your just hatred for the sequels. I'm like, you should really read *Heir to the Empire* because that is truly, t- in my eyes, that's the true sequels. And you have to understand, those came out when there was no Star Wars content, no movies, no anything, and those books came out, and when I was like 13 years old or something, and they were incredible. And I was like, this is, I want to see these movies. Like I was just excited for them to make the movies, and that was the introduction of Thrawn. That was the oh. first time we got Thrawn. Okay. Written by Timothy Zahn. They're really great books. How many books? And three? So, you're, three. Three. Yeah. I'm not, uh, and even just do the first about, one. Listen on tape. We're, we're talking about Mara Jade? Yes. Okay. So there's so many. And a lot of these characters have now. Wait. Mara Jade isn't canon though, is she? No. Okay. Okay. Luke gets a love interest. It's freaking awesome. It's so well done. It's, it's um, really well done. Uh, well, anyway, okay, I, I hold on. It. it was really well done when I read it back when I was, when I was like, 13. <laughs> yeah, 14 ish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why don't you read it? Let us know if I should revisit it. Uh, but I just tell you, I remember Thrawn being like the coolest villain. Mara Jade is like Luke's love interest. It's and which were like, she's such a fascinating I, character. I, but I got to tell you, Thrawn is a great villain. And I, mm-hmm. the one thing that Star Wars, Star Wars continually does well, they have awesome villains. Like, yeah. like no one has really ever been able to top how villainous they are, uh, and so I, I just I, it's going to take it to another level, and and the whole idea of Ahsoka, like them bringing so like it's just unreal. She's the best Jedi because she ain't no Jedi. She ain't no Jedi. She does her own thing. Right. So I don't know, but I just if Dinjar dies, I can't. <laughs> well, we'll get to tune in next week. Yo. I'm going to be a wreck. I'm going to literally be like eating my comforter watching it in bed. I'm going to be like, ah. I I have a funny feeling uh, after the episode airs, we're not going to be able to keep the uh, self-contained opinions away from each other. Yeah. We can send emojis. We can communicate through emojis or something. Usually, when I was watching the last... You mean millennial last, hieroglyph- this, hieroglyphics? This happened yeah. when we were watching The Last of Us. I would just be like, O-M-F-G. Or like, I hate you guys. Why are you making me watch this show? <laughs> or I would be like, do not watch alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we I get think I'm just going to be confused. Week. Yeah. We get there. <laughs> Poor Emilia. I do think it's funny that you definitely... Both Star Trek and for Star Wars are getting kind of like thrown into the the deep end with all this, because in both of those series you ha- that are airing right now, you have to have like understanding of all this lore to fully appreciate and enjoy them. Yeah, you know, you know, I would probably feel the same way as Bridget if if Andor didn't happen. But now that Andor happened and that's taken over as my favorite Star Wars property, it's kind of hard for me to look at this and be like, yeah, you know, I'd be Andor sad. See, I, I like Andor, but it was not my favorite. So <sighs> that's okay. 
We can disagree. Yeah, everyone's allowed to have their opinion, and Bridget's allowed to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> We're all allowed to be wrong. Nice. Bridget. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sounds accurate. Okay. So, I mean, is that our coverage of The Mandalorian? I think so. I think so. I think we've just about covered it um, along with many other Star Wars things, of which I know <clears throat> a couple of a couple of facts here and there. There were words you understood. They were, it was English. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll be back next week to cover the finale. Maybe we'll do a finale, finale doubleheader. We got Picard and we got uh, the Mandalorian. A finale of the Picardalorian? Of the Mandacard. <coughs> Man- Mandalorian. Mandacard. 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 It's grown on me, Mandacard. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like a and d race. Oh, the, here come the Mandacards. <laughs> exactly. We can make that happen, but... We can. In the meantime, if you want to listen to our coverage of that, and you should want to listen to our coverage, make sure you subscribe to The Verse, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Apple, Google, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And be sure to share us with a friend or on your social media pages. Tag us at The Versecast. Until next time, if you want to follow me, Lucas Longacre, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and every other place imaginable. If you want to follow me, Bridget, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BridgetRogan16. If you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy and on Twitch at random underscore white underscore guy. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at EmiliaU. Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who last I saw was going to a bargain carpet dealership, hopefully to get some carpet in here, because I, I think it would really spruce the place up. It'll tie the room together. Oh, let's not do that. No, yeah. you make too many uh, ice sculptures, we'll have too many floods. It's impractical. Carpets can need to be replaced multiple times. I hate cleaning uh, carpets, by all the right, way. Maybe not. I'll, I'll see if I can stop him. But um, he can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at Filmsnork. Well, there's our music. Thanks for listening, and keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page, at TheVerseCast, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is produced by Stephen Puzikowski. Mushroom is going on here. Don't worry, Bridget. You'll get used to it. Ah! Who the hell are you? And uh, where am I? Let's start with the easy part. You're inverse. Uh, don't you mean in the verse? That's how you say it. The verse. It's in the brand Bible. No, 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 Like I said, inverse. You're being arranged with existence on your own podcast, The Verse. You'll soon be stuck here forever, just like me. And, uh, who are you? I'm the voice. Well, at least that's what I call myself. I don't have.
happening? I believe I used to be a host on The Voice. Until one day, like you, I started glitching. And now I'm gone forever. Oh, buddy. That's terrible. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I just don't remember you. I know. That's the worst part. No one does. Now, only Lucas can sometimes hear me inside of his head. I believe I was one of the original five hosts. There's only four hosts. Exactly, Bridget. Don't you see? I've been erased from existence. Soon, there will only be three hosts. No one remembers me, and eventually, no one will remember you. No worries. When I glitch back, I will just tell them that I am glitching, and the squad... This is me, bro! Oh no. Oh no. It's worse than I thought. What happens? This wasn't my actual voice, but once I got stuck in verse, I lost my identity. As will you. This is not good. Not good. I can't just. I like. I. I. I just. I just can't. I just can't. I love being a part of the verse. Okay, and I just can't even. Be stuck here forever.